are in a series called Holidays with Hope. And basically the theme of this series that we've been in really for a number of weeks is that we need to remember the faith challenges, the battles that we have gone through. We need to remember God's goodness and his faithfulness to get us through those things. And we need to remember the lessons that, have lear- that, we're le- that we've learned from them. And what we've been doing in this series, this part of this series, talking about hope being renewed, is that we've been taking a look at the Christmas story, some of the characters there, and linking it up with some of the verses in Psalms 23. We started out by taking a look at Mary and how her life was anointed by God, and our life is anointed by God. Psalms 23 talks about how our anointing, that we've been anointed with oil, okay? And then we took a look at Joseph. And the valley that he went through when he found out that was Mary was pregnant by the Holy Spirit. I mean, how does this work? Okay, it went from, wow, being elated to, whoa, being troubled. And we talked about the valleys that we go through in life. Last week, we took a look at Simeon. After Jesus was born, about eight days later, they brought him into the temple to do the ceremonial circumcision and those kinds of things. And God led Simeon to be there to experience the way, the truth, and the life in the person of Jesus. Now today, unfortunately, in every Christmas story, there's a villain. And when you and I go through Christmas, we would like to think that it's just a hallmark holiday, right? Everything works out perfect. There's no enemies, there's no battles going on, but that just isn't the case. We live in a real world. And so did Jesus. He had an enemy And his enemy was Herod. And I want to read a few of the verses out of kind of Herod's story. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod, about that time, some wise men from the eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and and we have come to worship him. When King Herod King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this. Why? Because he wanted to be the king, as was everyone in Jerusalem. Then he told them, that is, Herod told the wise men, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. It's kind of being sneaky here. The wise men entered the... Picking up the story, these wise men entered the house, they got to Bethlehem, and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped them. And they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Herod was furious when he realized that the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. Jesus had enemies. And you and I have enemies. Even during the holiday times, there are all kinds of battles occurring around us, against us, and maybe even on the inside of us. And sometimes those battles rage so great 
that we're just worn out. Maybe you can relate to this prayer request. I feel like I'm in a war zone. There's just one battle after another. I argue with my life. I clash with my kids over everything. I fight to keep my job. I struggle with a growing debt, and I'm losing the battle with my weight. And then there's the conflicts inside of me. I fight my own fears, and I battle with my anxieties and my temper, and I'm always fighting off discouragement. Sometimes I'm just fighting to keep my head above water, and I'm just so tired. You see, as we remember the battles and primarily God's goodness towards us, his faithfulness to get us through those things and the lessons learned, how does God's goodness help us when we feel this way? Especially in the greatest season, I would say, of the year, when everything is supposed to be Hallmark-like, okay? When you're in a battle, how does God lift you up? Well, David gives us a clue in Psalms 23. When he says this, you prepare a banquet for me in front of my enemies. You see, what does that mean? And how can it help you and I with the battles that you and I may be facing right now in this season of the year? Well, today we're going to find out the answer to that by asking four questions of that verse. What kind of banquet is it? Who are the enemies? What does this banquet symbolize? And what is on the menu? Let's jump into this and understand how God wants us to bat, wants to show us his goodness in the battles of life in this season. Number one, what kind of, what kind of banquet is it? We're going to take this apart word by word. It says, you prepare a banquet for me in front of my enemies. You. You means God. He's talking about God. So will you write this down? God is the host. This banquet is God's idea. And my guess is this. If you got an invitation in the mail from God, okay, saying, hey, I'm inviting you to my banquet that I've prepared, okay, you would be elated. You probably couldn't sleep the rest of the night, okay? You'd be worried, what's my hair? I mean, is this right? Makeup's right? I mean, the clothes, do I have the right Hawaiian shirt? I mean, what is going on here? This is God's banquet. You. Then he says, prepare. What does that mean? Well, you write this down. It is well planned. This is not a spontaneous banquet. It is not off the cuff. It's not like a spare of the moment thing, like you're out shopping. Hey, let's go out to eat over at uh, Legacy West. No, this is thought through. God has thought it through. He has planned it. He has planned it so well that he's offering this, this meal on a certain table. It is a special table. And in fact, some translations use the word table. You prepare a table before for me in the presence of my enemies. I don't like that translation. Because in our minds, we think of just a normal table. It is not. It is a special table. It is a banquet table. It probably holds 50 to 100 people, okay? It's not a TV tray. You got that? It's not a folding table. It's not even one of those Formica dinette types tables. It is a long king's table that you see at a castle. It's special. The next phrase is this, for me. 
So write this down. I'm the guest of honor. This banquet that God has prepared isn't for somebody else and I've been invited to their party. No, this banquet, folks, is for you. You are the guest of honor. You are the big deal. The next phrase says this, in front of. Will you write this down? It's in public. This is not in secret. People are going to be watching you eat with the king. They're going to be watching you. It's going to be in public. It's not going to be in private. God wants everybody to know that he is honoring you in the presence of everybody. The last phrase, in front of my enemies. Now that's interesting, isn't it? You see, a lot of times when you and I throw a party, and we might even think of it here, God's throwing a party and he's inviting me. Okay, I got that. But he's throwing this party in front of my enemies and not my friends? Interesting, isn't it? What does this mean? I'm giving, I'm going to prepare a banquet for you. And all of your enemies are going to watch you and I eat together. What does that mean? Will you write this down? It's on the battlefield. This banquet isn't just for the good times of life. This banquet is when the enemy or when you are under attack. The king during that battle a battle that is going on around you. A battle that may be coming up against you. Your in-laws are coming to town. The battle that may be raging on the inside of you. God says, while that battle is underway, guess what? I'm going to offer up a banquet. And all of your enemies are going to see me honor you. All of your enemies are going to see me lift you up. Folks, this is what this banquet is. So my question is this, who's this enemy? Well, I could go on and on and on about that. In fact, I've taught on this before. Basically, there are three enemies that you and I face even during the holiday season. The world, the flesh, and Satan. I'm not gonna go through all the verses there, but I've got them on your outline so that you can read them on your own. But let's just briefly talk about these. The first enemy is this, the world around you. You see, the world is in opposition to God because it likes to worship itself. It likes to worship the culture that it has created, okay? And you and I who like to worship God, well, guess what? Culture is against us. It comes after us. It criticizes you. It picks on you. It puts you down with, with, uh, with racism, with injustices, with prejudice, with gender, with, with the color of your skin. The world around you is your enemy. The second enemy is Satan. Satan is against me. You see, the world is around me, but Satan is against me. And the Bible is pretty clear that Satan is alive and well on planet Earth. Yes, it's true that God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. But it is also true that Satan has a terrible plan for your life. And he wants to kill, steal, 
and destroy. And you may sit here and say, well, why is that? I mean, I haven't done anything against him, okay? Why is that? It's because Satan hates God, and he hates anything that God loves, and God loves you greatly. So guess what that means? Satan hates you greatly. Satan knows that he can't get <laughs> to God. I mean, God's God, right? But if I can bring any pain into God's life, maybe I can do it through his kids. And so, God, so Satan hates you greatly. Now, the third one is the biggest one of all, and it is this. I have my old nature inside of me. That is the third enemy. And what I have discovered is this, that the older I get, the more I learn that I am my worst enemy. I can relate to what Paul says in Romans chapter 7. You know what? The things that I want to do, I end up not doing. And the things that I don't want to do, well, doggone it, those are the things I do. What a wretched man that I am. And there is this battle that goes on on the inside of me, even during the holiday season. These are the three enemies. And the Bible's pretty clear about them. You got a battle going on around you. You got a battle coming up against you. And you got a battle going on inside of you. And this battle is constantly going. There's never a time when it backs off. And in this constant battle that is around you and against you and inside of you, God throws a banquet. Now, that banquet symbolizes a couple of things. The first thing that it symbolizes is this. Will you write this down? God wants and welcomes fellowship with you. God wants to hang out with you. And this is one of the easiest things to forget, even during the, the hustle and bustle of a great season like Christmas. The amazing truth is simply this, that the God of the universe, the creator of the universe, wants to know you. He wants to be your friend. And he wants you to be his friend. And he wants you to know him. And what he has done is he has set up a meal so that parties can get together and really get to know one another. You see, when you want to have fellowship with somebody, isn't this true in our life? Hey, well, why don't, let's go out to lunch, okay? I would say, let's go to McDonald's. I'm cheap. You can order off the dollar menu. Hey, well, let's go to McDonald's. Let's grab a lunch. Let's just get caught up with them. Or, hey, why don't, you guys, why don't you just come over to the house for dinner? You see, that's fellowship. And so when God throws this banquet that David talks about in Psalms 23, he's saying, I want to hang out with you. I want you to understand how much I really do love you. And he does so to show you and I that we are wanted and that we are welcomed in his presence. And he especially likes to do that when we're feeling hopeless, when we need encouragement, when our heads are hanging low, maybe because of a battle that we have failed in our minds or relationships that aren't coming the right way <laughs> they're coming against us. You see, when everything is against you, God says, I want to throw you a party. Take a look at this verse out of Psalms 5, verse 11. You welcome us with open arms when we run for cover to you. That's referring to the battle. Let the party last all night. Stand guard over our celebration. 
In essence, he's saying there, God knows the battles that you're going through. He knows the battle with your job. He knows the battle with your marriage. He knows the battle with your family. He knows the battle with your health, with your sanity, with your dignity. And he's saying, I know that it's hard. And I know that, that, that you feel worn out, but I want to offer you some encouragement. Come on over to eat. Let's hang out together. Now I want us to stop here for a moment. And I want us to imagine this scene. I want us to imagine Robin Hood. Have you seen the movie? I know it's been a number of years. Robin Hood with the king and the knights and the court and the damsels in distress. Get that picture in your mind. And imagine this giant medieval battle that is occurring in this valley between two mountains. The bad army is on one mountain and the good army is on the other mountain. And down in the valley, you, a lowly soldier, are battling it out. And that battle is fierce. It is raging. It is coming against you on all sides. There's no way where that you can turn that there isn't a battle going on. If it's not inside, it's against. And if it's not against, it's around. And if it's not around, it's in. I mean, it's everywhere. And as you're waging that battle in that valley, all of a sudden a superior officer comes up to you and says, you're relieved of your duties for a while. Come this way. And boy, are you glad. Because that battle is hot and heavy. And as you start walking away from the front line, you see off at a distance this huge tent with these flags all over it. And you think, what? And as you get closer, you see a feast of food. You see that the king is inside. And as you walk into that tent, you see this king's table. This isn't a Formica table. This is hardwood. It's got special engravings on it. It is huge. You're thinking, how in the world did they get that up on top of that mountain? It seats 50 to 100 people. This table is for a king and for noblemen. And as you're looking on that table, you find your very favorite comfort food. Now, this is my story, so I'm going to make it with my comfort food. Pot roast. It's been simmering all day with little baby tiny carrots in it. Oh, man. That's God. Cheryl, if you want to make that, that's okay. <laughs> with brown gravy and mashed potatoes and sweet potatoes and pecan pie and two pumpkin pies so I don't have to share one. And let's throw in chicken fried steak because there's nothing better than chicken fried steak. I mean, that is so good. And a ham, black olives and green olives. You see, comfort food tastes the best, does it not, when you're in a battle? 
How many times have we been in some battle and we know that what we're about to eat isn't really that healthy for you, but you think, you know what, it's been, it's been really hard today. It's been, I've had a hard week. I'm just gonna have some comfort food. And so you have it. And you walk in and you see that comfort food and it's just you and the king. And you noticed as well as you were walking in that there are a thousand guards dressed in all the armor with the shields and spears and sword. And you think, you know what, there's no way on God's green earth that the enemy's going to be able to get into this place. It just ain't going to happen here. And you walked and you just walked in. Why? Because the flaps were open. In fact, all the flaps on this huge circus type tent were open, meaning that this thing is not a private thing. It's not hidden. It's not a secret. Everybody knows the king has called you to his banquet to feast on all your comfort food. And just about that time as you're in there, everybody's watching, he says to you in a loving voice, this is all for you. This is all for you. I planned it just for you. Down to chicken fried steak. I want everyone to know. I want everyone to know that it's just you and me. You're having food, a dinner with me. And so whatever you do, don't be in a hurry. Kick, kick back. Take your shoes off. Eat all you want. The enemy can't get in here. Now when you hear those words, you think, I gotta be dreaming. I, I, who am I? Who am I that the king even knows about me? I'm just a, a lowly soldier that's down in the valley waging war. But just about that time, the king gives an edict to raise a banner with your name on it. And as it is unrolled, it says, I love Jeff. I love Kim, I love you. I love Bob. I love you, Bob. I love you, and I am proud of you. You can't believe your ears that you are the guest of honor. Folks, this is what God wants to do for you with the battle that is raging around you, with the battle that may be coming against you, with the battle that may be even going on inside of you. He wants to throw out his banner and say, I love you. And this is what Solomon tells us. In the Song of Solomon, chapter two, verse four, it says, he brings me to his banquet table and his banner over me is love. You see, you may have never thought that you were that special to God, but you are. You may have never thought that God was that proud of you, but folks, he is. His banner over you is love. And he wants all of your enemies that are around you, that are coming against you, that may be even working inside of you to know that. Now go back to this imaginary story. This battle is raging 
It is heated. It is happening in this valley. But all of a sudden, the enemy stops. In fact, the good guys stop. And they look up towards the mountain. And what they see happening on top of that hill is God publicly honoring you. That it's not done in secret. Everybody is staring up at this huge tent. You and the king with this banquet table. And they are thinking, you got to be kidding me. The king invited them. The king invited her. The king invited him to this table. Yeah, yes. You see, I have learned personally that when God wants to bless you, when God wants to honor you, nothing, there's nothing that a critic can do about it. They may belittle you, they may slander you, they may ignore you, they may ridicule you, they may make fun of you in unkind ways, but guess what? They can't stop God from honoring you and blessing you. Why? Because when God's anointing, which we've talked about, when God's anointing is on you and his banner over you is love, folks, it really doesn't matter, does it? They are absolutely powerless. When God wants to bless you, he, you're gonna get blessed. And if God shouts out, I love you, I am proud of you, and I know it's hard in the valley, it is tough, but I love you, and I am proud of the fighting that you are doing for my glory, and for you, your good, and other people's good. You see, God loves to show his blessings on you in front of of your enemies. So let's apply this. Let's talk about the battles that you're in right now and how you've been invited to the king's tent. Take a look at Job chapter 36, verse 16. God is gently calling you from, God is gently calling you from the jaws of distress to an open place of freedom where he has set your table full of the best foods. Isn't that interesting? Same metaphor. Same, same as David in Psalms 23. God is gently calling you from the jaws of distress so an open place of freedom where he has set your table full of the best foods. You see, as you are in this battle that's around you and against you and in you, God says, hey, come here. Let's hang out together. I got a banquet for you. And when he calls you, Folks, he's not shouting. It's a gentle voice. It's a tiny whisper. It's like a lover wooing another lover to himself. And when he calls, here's the deal. When you hear that tiny little voice in the battles that's going on, can I encourage you to accept the invitation? Because that invitation comes is about you getting out of the jaws of distress. You heard the, seen the movie Jaws? Dun, 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 dun. There's all kinds of jaws. You see, in this holiday season, as hallmarkish as it's supposed to be, what's gnawing at you? What's eating at you? What are you worried and anxious about? inside. God says, hey, 
come over here. You deserve a break today, okay? I got a banquet for you. And yes, it may be true that some may be belittling you or demeaning you or are dismissing you or discarding you. But God wants to hang out with you. God wants to have fellowship with you. He's planned it. And he wants to honor you and feed you and strengthen you and lift up your head. That's one of the things it symbolizes. The second thing that a banquet symbolizes is this. Will you write this down? God wants to bless me to show the world his goodness. Now remember, hope, hope is restored when I remember the battles and I remember God's faithfulness, his goodness to me to get me through those things. And his goodness is you. It's your life. You don't know what kind of encouragement you are to people around you. As the battle is raging around you and against you and inside of you, and as you are faithful to God, just being a lowly soldier that you might think that you are, people see God's goodness. You see, you and I are trophies of God's grace. And though we don't deserve it, and we don't, we are trophies of God's grace because God says, I love you and I just want to bless your life. Well, why? Because I love you. That's it, period. I don't love you because I love you, period. Folks, you and I are exhibit A of God's grace. You and I are God's goodness on display to this world, to this seen world. And don't miss December 31st message to the unseen world, to the angels above. Take a look at this verse, Psalms 31, verse 19. Your goodness is so great, you have stored up great blessings for those who honor you. You have done so much for those who come to you for protection, blessing them before the watching world. God says, I wanna bless your life so that all the world, seen and unseen, We'll see this. Well, why? So that people will look at your life and go, wow, that person's life with all that they're going through. And they're really blessed. I mean, how is it that they're blessed? Oh, yeah. They have a good, good God. They have a good God who is good to them all of the time. Circle the word stored up. That implies advanced planning, that this is not some off-the-cuff thing. God prepares in advance a banquet in the presence of your enemies. Let's apply this. You know the battle that you're going through right now, that one that you're wondering, am I gonna win this or not? That financial battle, that health battle, that relational battle, that moral battle, that dignity battle, th those jaws of distress that has got you in its grips. God comes along and says, I have prepared a banquet, a victory celebration. Because I know, though you may have forgotten, that the one who is inside of you is greater than anything around you or anything that's coming against you. It's even greater than you. 
And so I know the outcome. You may have forgotten the outcome, but I know the outcome. You are going to make it. You are going to get through this thing. Because if you are in Christ, which you are, you are more than conquerors. And that is why the psalmist said this, Psalms 35, 27, how great is the Lord. He is pleased with the success of his servants. And what you and I need to do to experience that success is we got to walk to the tent. We got to walk to the tent and have fellowship with God and we now to eat some of the comfort food that he has laid out there for us. So what is on the menu? Will you write this down? Everything that God has promised in his word. You see, the menu is the promises of God and there are over 7,000 promises in God's word just for you. My question is this, have you been eating any of them? Have you been eating any of the comfort food that God has prepared for you? I like to think of it like this. The banquet is the Bible. It is a Bible banquet, okay? And it's so interesting as you go through the scriptures, the Bible is referred to as food. Fruit, bread, milk, meat, drinks, wine, sweets, desserts. I like that last one. Desserts, sweets, woo yes. Bring it on, God. And as the battle is raging, around you and against you, and maybe even inside of you, you have, you can have a feast. And you can have that feast, that Bible banquet, on a train, plane, or in an automobile. You can have that banquet in your home, on a soccer field, or in the office. Folks, you can have that banquet anywhere at any time. And if you can have that kind of a banquet any place at any time, why in the world would you want to feast on social media? When you are feeling down, dooby-doo, down, down. When, you is some, when someone is coming against you or something's working inside of you, why would you want to go to social media? Why would you want to starve your soul when you can have a Bible banquet? Take a look at this verse, Psalms 119, verse 103. The promises of your word taste sweet to me. They taste sweeter than honey in my mouth. Do you got a bad taste in your mouth this holiday season? My question is, what have you been eating? Have you been spending time in God's word? Have you been savoring the word of God even during this season? Take a look at Psalms uh, 34, uh, uh, verse 8. Learn to savor how good the Lord is. God is a good God. He is so good that he has offered up a banquet meal for you and I in the way of the Bible. Now what I'm about to say may be the most important thing that I, that I, that I talk about this whole Sunday morning. And it is this. How you view the Bible will determine whether you enjoy it or not. Let me explain. If you think of the Bible as a textbook, my guess is you won't read it. Who likes to read a textbook, especially after you're out of college? You had to read textbook after textbook, and I never want to read another one of those again, so I'm not going to read my Bible. If you view it as a history book, and some of you may like history, you'll read it for history. But if you don't, guess what? You won't read it. If you view it as an insurance policy, 
a fire insurance policy, a life insurance policy, a flood insurance policy. I mean, honestly, have you read your insurance policies, your homeowner's insurance policy? Word for word? I doubt it, okay? Why? They're boring, right? <laughs> the Bible's that. I don't want it. Reality is the Bible's all those things. It is a textbook. You can, yeah, it's a textbook. Been the most popular textbook in the world. It is a text a book about history. There's history in it. And yeah, there is some life insurance policy stuff in there, okay? But if it's all those things, you and I won't read them. But if it's a love letter, if God's banner over you is love, you'll read it. Early on in my wife's relationship, she started writing a book about her and I. And I'll have to admit, it was cheesy, okay? It was corny. It was mushy. It was syrupy. But guess what? I loved reading it. Why? Because of the love that Cheryl and I have for one another. God's given you his love letter. And if you don't read it, what happens with this hope theme is that you will not remember God's goodness. You'll forget it. The battle will be raging hard and heavy on you. And you'll forget that God's banner over you is love, that he is proud of you. Yet, though you may think of yourself as a lowly soldier, he thinks of you as a nobleman. And so you'll forget and your hope will drain. Now this promise that God has given us, that he prepares a table or a banquet for you in the presence of your enemy is not only for the here and now, for today, but it's also for tomorrow. You see, today, when you and I are in a battle, we can go to the banquet, we can go into the tent, we can have fellowship with the king, and we can feast on his Bible banquet table. But it's also for tomorrow. You see, there is one more banquet that's going to happen. There might be other banquets, but what Scripture has told us that there is only one other banquet that's going to occur at the end of time, and that is called the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's going to be a great banquet. And it's going to be a banquet where God's going to honor you. It's his banquet. But he's going to honor you and lift you up. And he's going to lift you up and honor you in front of the whole world that has been fighting around you and that has come up against you and that is working inside of you, both in the here and now and in the heavens above. And God's gonna lift you up in the most public way possible. And this story of the marriage supper of the Lamb is found in Isaiah 25. And I wanna read it as we close. The Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of the finest food for all people. Stop right there. It doesn't matter what your background is, your race, your skin color, your ethnicity, your gender. Folks, it doesn't matter. This table is for everyone who has said yes to Jesus Christ. 
The Lord will prepare a feast of the finest food for all peoples, a banquet for the best of meats. Cheryl, circle the word meats. She's a vegetarian almost, so that's, that's an important word there, okay? A banquet of the best of meats and finest wines. And on this mountain, God will destroy the shroud that enfolds all peoples and the sheet that covers. Will you circle shroud and sheets? What is, what's the shroud? The shroud is a covering of death. Everyone's gonna die. There's a covering that they put over dead people. What is the sheet? A sheet is a cloud of grief that covers everybody because we all live in a broken world. And what is God gonna do with the shroud and the sheet at this final supper? You see, there's one fourth, one other enemy. There is a fourth enemy. It's called death. And God is gonna destroy it. It's done. The brokenness of this world that is encompassed in death, it's over with. And you are gonna live with me forever and ever, and we are going to party. He will swallow up death forever. In other words, no more death. The sovereign Lord will wipe away the tears from all faces and he will remove the disgrace, will you circle that word, of his people from all the earth. What is disgrace? Folks, it's the put downs that you and I have experienced for being Christians. For putting our faith in Jesus Christ. For standing up for truth. For being a fork in the road. And how is God going to remove this disgrace? Through a banquet. Wow. I cannot wait. And, he, will, and he, he says he will wipe away their tears and he will remove the disgrace of the people from all the earth. And in that day, they, that's us, will say, surely this is our God. We trusted in him and he saved us. Yes, this is the Lord. We trusted in him. So let us rejoice and be glad in his salvation. And at Christmas, at least in the Christmas story, Jesus had an enemy. Joseph and Mary had an enemy. His name was Herod. And God delivered them from their enemies. One day in the future, God will honor Jesus Christ. And in honoring you, he, in honoring him, he will honor you. Because it says at that time, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And God's gonna say, he's the one. And we get to celebrate that at Christmas. So to speak, our salvation started when he entered into human history. We're going to get to be there at the final supper of the Lamb. So this week, with whatever is going on in your world, know that God has prepared a banquet for you. And when you get to Christmas morning or Christmas Eve, whenever you celebrate it, and you got that table of mashed potatoes and gravy and sweet potatoes, you remember, you remember this banquet because that's what God has for you. Let's pray. Lord, you're good. You are a good, good God. And, and sometimes in the battle of life, we forget. We forget that you have prepared a banquet for us. 
that we're a big deal to you. We don't think that. A lot of times we don't think we're a big deal at all. We put ourselves down more than anyone else puts ourselves down. But you look at us and you consider us a nobleman, a co-heir right with Christ. And you want to honor us and you want to bless us. You want to exalt us and feed us and strengthen us now and in the future to come. And so God, as we enter into these final few days, before Christmas gets here, with whatever battles may be going on, getting things ready, getting ready for services, getting in-laws in town, getting the food ready, buying that last gift from Amazon, whatever it is, God, I thank you that you woo us to yourself to have a feast with you so that we can know that everything's going to be okay and that we're on the winning side. So we give you this, Lord. We thank you for our time. May you be honored and may it be good for us. In your son's precious name we pray.